There we go. All right. Good morning, everyone. Joining us virtually. It's good to see you. Good to see you all. Um, we have been doing a series based on our church theme, uh, Do Not Be Anxious About Anything, which, I'm, which I have been growing um, exceedingly more thankful for. Um, I was joking with uh, multiple people this week that I think the more we've gone through this theme about do not be anxious, I can see how that has been more and more challenging, and maybe at times the more anxious I have felt. And that's why I'm really thankful that God put this, uh, put this theme um, upon the hearts of our elders. And so um, the title of today's message is Going to Jesus. And I think it's a very simple way to continue to tie into our theme um, that we've been looking at. Um, maybe roughly 10 years ago or so, um, in a previous generation of our youth group, um, a lot of times when the joking would get out of hand and someone would say something, uh, you know, like really, really inappropriate, then they would say, you all need Jesus, right? Um, I didn't expect that one person from a this generation of the youth group was here, but he's laughing at me under his mask. So yeah, <laughs> it's good to see you, Josh. Um, the only reason I can bring this up is because as much as sometimes for that generation of the youth group, they're joking, which might start off as innocent, would eventually you know, go downhill, and then to the point where they would say, you all need Jesus, like kind of as a joke. The only reason I can like, you know, comment on that is because when I was in youth group, and when Greg was in charge of the youth group, my generation was far worse, even though we didn't have that phrase as like a memeable thing. And so, um, you know, so for you youth in the back there, uh, like I always tell you guys, you guys are good kids because compared to when I was in youth group, I'm not saying you guys are all perfectly 100% uh, innocent, but I realize back in the day, we really did need Jesus. And uh, But uh, the reason I bring this up is... Um, for a couple reasons. Whether you believe in God or not, the idea that we all need Jesus, uh, usually it comes about if it's in a serious manner when something is really bad or really wrong, right? And so when you set the joking aside, the idea of really needing Jesus is way, way more important than we might think. And I think it ties in very well with our series about not being anxious. Um, our series comes from these verses in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, if you haven't been with us over the past several weeks, here are some of the themes we've talked about in this series. We've seen how, based on these verses we just read, that we, can, um, that we can experience the presence of God when we lay our requests at his feet, um, and that the peace of God will be with us, um, as, we, as we see in these two verses in Philippians. We've also talked about the importance of our thought life, and that thinking matters, that if we're, thinking, if we're constantly thinking about what makes us anxious, then it's like a cycle where we'll continue to, it'll conti just continue to perpetuate itself. But when Paul says whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is trustworthy, to think about these things, that that can help us fill our minds with the things that will uh, calm our anxieties. We've also talked about how God's word gives us wisdom in a broken world, how we don't have to expect 
that life will always be easy or that we won't see really difficult things, um, but that God's word uh, talks about this and warns us against it. And we can use his word to find wisdom um, when, those, when those challenges come about. We've also talked about how rejoicing in the Lord or rejoicing in our salvation helps us fight our anxiety. And finally, we also talked about the importance of praying without ceasing. And so in all of these uh, different passages, we've looked at words from Paul from some of the different letters um, to see how we can live out this theme of not being anxious here in 2022. Um, but perhaps a question that we might have been having as we've been going through this theme is, but how? Like, there's a lot of practical stuff in there, like thinking good thoughts and finding wisdom from God's word and rejoicing in the Lord and praying continually. But in our deepest moments of anxiety, how do we really experience uh, this encouragement um, from our theme of not being anxious? And that's where we want to add another, just another passage to this series. Um, and that's why the sermon is called Going to Jesus. And uh, though we've been looking at Paul, we're going to look at what I think is a very famous passage for us in the book of Matthew, um, chapter 11. And so as Matthew is writing this, he is, he is recounting words that Jesus gives, um, and we'll talk more about the context in a little bit. But I'd love to read these three verses, and these will be our verses for this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, you could turn to Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to read verses 28 to 30. And it says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it guides us, um, that it encourages us, uh, with the truth that we do not have to be anxious, though I know, Lord, when we watch the news or when we think about the stresses of our own lives, God, there is so much that is easy for us to be anxious about. And so, Lord, just as we just read, I pray that we will see the importance of coming to you, laying our burdens at your feet, knowing that you want to walk with us and that that is what can lighten the burdens that we might be experiencing. And God, we know we can only, as Peter mentioned, uh, just as we got started singing this morning, God, we know we can only experience the lightness of your burdens because of your great love for us, that you sent your son Jesus to this earth. And so Lord, um, God, I pray that as we hear from your word this morning, that you would be opening our minds and our hearts to really come to you and experience the rest that you want to give us. So we thank you for this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a lot going on in these three verses. Um, and so, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, we got to hear from uh, one of our elders, Ken, and he joked how we always have three points. It's like, that's not always true. Sometimes I get ambitious and I'll have like five, and then you guys will be wondering like, oh man, what time is lunch gonna be? But um, no, it was really challenging to cut it down to only three things, because I really think there are so many, uh, so many aspects of these simple three verses that we could talk about. But we're just gonna focus on these three this morning. So in this passage, and related to this passage, we are going to learn what it means to be aware of our need for rest, to consider what we are, in quotes, going towards, and to consider what it means to go to Jesus for true rest. 
So these three things, be aware of our need for rest, consider how we're trying to find the answers for that, and how we might go to Jesus for actual true rest. So first, what does it mean to be aware of our need for rest? Now, I'm going to break a rule that my preaching professor from seminary always told us. He said, if you are going, when you're drawing your points from the passage, you want to go in the order that it's written, but I'm not going to do that today. So Dr. Sanukian, I apologize, but there's a reason for that. Um, I think the entire context of this verse helps us understand why Jesus says what he does. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And so the first thing that we're going to see is that we want to be aware of our need for rest. And so Matthew 11, it's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I might say that about like, I don't know, everything I preach on, but I promise you, Matthew chapter 11 is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. And the reason for that is at the start of the chapter, you see this story where you see a recounting of when John the Baptist goes to prison and you see him have a real kind of uh, just a moment of doubt in his life. Now, he's been courageous in confronting King Herod and confronting the ungodliness that's going on. He has baptized many, many people and prepared them for, the, for Jesus to come and show people what the kingdom of God is all about. And because of his courage, he finds himself in prison and he sends his disciples who, vi- who are visiting him in prison to go to Jesus and ask, are you really the Messiah? which if you think about it in the big picture is a strange question for John the Baptist to ask, but you see why he might come to that question because of how distressful it must be for him to be in prison. And Jesus directly answers, yes, I am the Messiah to John's disciples and he sends them back so he can can send that message back to John. And after John's disciples leave, Jesus praises John for his obedience and his courage and just all of the ways that he has been faithful to the kingdom of God. And so there's a lot going on leading up to this part where Jesus gives this invitation to come to him for rest. Um, And then after that, he talks about how there are cities who should have known who Jesus was as the Messiah um, because of the many prophecies that existed and because of their proximity to uh, just to the um, to the to the temple, to the history of um, what it would be like to be waiting for a Messiah. And so in the context of all of that, that is where you see Jesus give this invitation to people to experience rest that comes from the kingdom of God. There's a lot of confusion as he is the new Messiah that's starting to do miracles. He's taught the Sermon on the Mount. He's tried to teach people about the kingdom of God. But you see throughout the book of Matthew, even for the disciples, they're having trouble grasping it. They want to believe in the kingdom of God, but they're not quite sure what it's all about at this point in this moment. And so with all of the confusion going on and with the opposition that's beginning to mount towards Jesus from the Jewish religious leaders um, because they see him as a threat, uh, this is the context where Jesus starts to talk about true rest. Not physical rest, but true rest. Rest that John would be looking for, wondering about his, uh, his future from prison, and rest that people were looking for as they were trying to grasp what the kingdom of God could be about. And so that's where, that is the context of where Jesus says, come to me. Now, we will talk about those three words in great detail in points two and three. But he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. What does it mean to be heavy laden? When something is considered heavy, uh, it's, it's, 
it feels like a very big burden. And metaphorically speaking, if you've experienced heaviness or if you're experiencing heaviness this morning, it might be because you feel like the world is weighing down on you in quite a bunch of ways or maybe one very painful specific way. It could be a combination. It could be when you have questions but seemingly no solutions or answers. And I mentioned, I've been really thankful for this series because the more that we talk about not being anxious, the last two weeks are probably the most anxious I have felt in a really long time. And uh, if you've been around me lately, I've been sharing with you that I have been in and out of dentist offices for the better parts of the last six months. Uh, back in August of 2021, I cracked a tooth and had to get it ex extracted, taken out, um, because it cracked all the way down to the bone. It was very painful in the moment. And so they took it out. And then just two weeks ago, I had the I had the implant put into the like I don't even know how how to describe it all but um, it involved when they took the tooth out in November and then two weeks ago when they put the implant in it involved like very minor like oral surgery where you know you have to be on painkillers for a while because of the just the the small cut they have to make into the gum to put it in there I'll spare you all the details but the point of it was this the first time when they took the tooth out it was. Not too bad, it was painful, I was, I was tired, but after a day or so it felt very normal and it was a relief to get the, the, the cracked tooth out of my mouth and to find some relief from the pain. This time, I had a terrible reaction from the painkillers I had to take. And the reaction was, I've, I've never been the biggest fan of medicine, I've experienced bad side effects before, and so, you know, uh, true to most Asian culture, I try to avoid any kind of like pharmaceutical medicine, unless it's like, you know, herbal and Asian and like the ones that actually work, you know? But this time, like I experienced a ton of anxiety, even though they said I had to stay on the painkillers for a couple days after, just to make sure that, that the gum would be healing properly. And so the smallest things, the like, the, the anything that involved planning, anything that involved sending an email, it felt so overwhelming for me, like more than usual, or if there was miscommunication or confusion in planning things that needed to be, uh, needed to be like, cleared up, like, I found myself feeling more and more anxious for the week after that surgery. And I don't know if you've felt something similar to that, um, but that, for the last couple weeks, that's exactly, how I've been, that's exactly how I've been feeling. Like there is all of this anxiety um, that feels heightened compared to usual. And so you could say that over the last couple of weeks and all of this anxiety that I was heavy laden and I had come to a realization that, you know, this doesn't feel normal. I don't feel like I can function as normal as, normal as usual. And so if, you are, if you're like me, this may not be everyone in this room, but a lot of times when we feel stressed or anxious about things, for me, I usually try to pretend like it's no big deal and I can just cover it up by smiling and just try to be as normal as possible. Um, but that's where over the last couple weeks, because this was worse than usual, like I, like I couldn't, I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to handle it. And I will talk about all of my strategies to try to deal with it in point number two in just a moment. Um, but for, for many of us, maybe the things that weigh us down are so heavy that it's easy for us to admit them. But if you're anything like me, sometimes we try to pretend like we don't, they don't exist and we aren't actually looking for true rest. And that's why I want to pause this morning and ask, 
Are you heavy laden this morning in some way? And that's where we need to admit our weariness and our need for rest. And then when we do, that's when we can see what will actually give us rest. And big time spoiler alert, the answer in this passage is that Jesus gives us the true rest. Jesus is always the answer. We've learned that since Sunday school. But we want to pause first and see there is great importance of understanding when we know we need rest. And that's, I, I think we get that from seeing who Jesus is addressing when he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And so if we're heavy laden this morning, then what's the answer? And that brings us to our second point this morning. I couldn't figure out maybe a clearer way to word this, but the second point for this morning is we want to really consider or think about what are we, quote unquote, going towards? If Jesus says, come to me, a lot of us have strategies to try to deal with our weariness. We are all, or you might say, we are all going towards something when there's a specific answer that Jesus wants us um, to go towards, which is himself, and we'll see that in the final point. But in the first two words then of verse 28, before the word me is even there referring to Jesus, when he says, come to that is an imperative phrase. And an imperative means you have to take action in order to heed it, right? And so we can really think of it this way this morning. What kind of action am I taking to try to relieve my burden, to relieve my heaviness? And I think there's great reason to pause even after two words of this passage to think about the strategies that we might employ when we are looking for rest. For me, most of my burdens are temporarily or maybe even more than temporarily relieved with a nice four-hour walk around a golf course. That does it for me. It takes my mind off of everything else. I can see God's creation and breathe fresh air. I can focus on hitting the ball towards the flag for a few hours, and it does very much to actually put me at peace. And that's my main strategy many times. But as I was at home having this terrible reaction to the painkillers, uh, under the dentist's orders, I couldn't, I couldn't exercise strenuously for a week after the surgery. So my first strategy is already out the window because usually if I'm stressed out, it's like, well, if I, go, like, if I go for a run or if I go hike or if I go play golf or I, if I go do something outdoors, it usually has this calming effect. But I wasn't allowed to do that last week. And so that left me even more anxious because my normal strategy of how I would solve the anxiety I usually feel wasn't, uh, I wasn't able to do it. So then I went to my next normal strategy, which is binge watching TV shows. And maybe that helped for the moment, but it didn't give me any rest after, like, after I'd be done, right? And so after a couple days after the surgery, it was Friday, it was the middle of the day, um, I was trying to prepare for what we were doing at youth group that night. And I felt, the, this was like when my anxiety probably felt at its heightened place like during that week. And so because all my normal strategies were not working, I went to the last resort for me. And if you know me, my last resort is to finally take a nap. I don't nap, I'm like, 
I pride myself on being able to function on like six hours of sleep. And like the pandemic has changed me a lot where I actually sleep more now and that's probably very healthy for me. Um, but I used to like have this really unhealthy sense of pride that I can just function off six hours of sleep. I don't need to take a nap. Like there's nothing that six a good six hours of sleep and a lot of caffeine, like with all that, I can handle anything, right? But at this moment I was like, I feel so anxious. I don't know how to get rid of it. I'm going to take a nap, which for many of you, that might be your first strategy. But for me, that's not it, right? I usually, that's like the last resort. That's when I know something's really wrong, when it's time to take a nap. It's not that I don't see the purpose in it, but for me, I'm anti-nap. I'm not saying that the rest of you have to be that way, but that's just how I've always been. So I napped for a couple hours. I thought, hopefully this will help. Do you ever take a nap and then wake up feeling worse than you did when you went to sleep? Like, that's how I felt when I woke up. I went to youth group that night feeling super anxious. God was gracious towards me. We had a great time watching The Chosen together. And uh, just being around God's people was, I guess, one like very helpful strategy to help kind of meet me where I'm at in my anxious moments at that point. But I say all this, I share all the strategies that I tried during the week to say this. We are all going towards something. We all have our strategies for how we might deal with our anxiety or our stresses or the problems in our lives. And none of us are completely passive. We are all going towards something to try to relieve our burdens. And that is why what we go towards really matters. And that brings us to our final but our most important point for the morning that we're going to spend the most time in, where Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. So we're going to see here what it means to go to Jesus for true rest. When we can admit our weariness and when we can see that we have many different strategies that we try to relieve our burdens, the answer from Jesus is very simple. He says, come to me. I've known this passage for a long time. I have grown up going to church. I've read the book of Matthew a bunch of times. And um, I was joking with Peter this week when, uh, because he was leading music. It's like we could think of more than just four songs that relate with this passage really well about coming to Jesus. And he had to pick between like, you know, many, many songs. There's, I've heard, I've, I've learned about this passage for so many years. I've known it for many years. But it dawned on me a couple years back when I really didn't grasp the full meaning of this passage. I've always found the idea of it comforting. That yeah, 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 we can, we can go to Jesus with our, with our worries and our stresses and he'll give us rest. But then there's also the strategies that we employ or the things that we have to do. Here's a good example of it. Have you ever been sharing prayer requests with people where you have a very deep need that you need prayed for and you share it. And then there's the time set aside at the end where you're going to pray together. But before that, someone might say, before we pray, have you tried like, and then fill in the blank where they want to give advice, right? For all of my dental problems, it might be, oh, can I give you like the phone number to like a good dentist or something? Maybe you're going to the wrong one. And I realize I am so guilty of this when a lot of times we bring our prayer requests before like a group of people we actually start to try to solve each other's problems before we actually pray about what we're wanting to pray about. But Jesus says, come to me. Come before me 
Give me your concerns, your burdens, your heaviness, and I will give you rest. I'm so thankful for my mentor, uh, Auntie Rosa, um, from the Chinese side, and the many uh, years I've been able to do Bible study with her now. And as we were reading through the book of Matthew, um, it was during a particularly stressful time in my life, and she would listen to me kind of share, not, we would talk about the passage, but she would also listen to me like talk about my problems, and she would say, and she finally said, Dan, you are trying to use God's truth just to solve your problems, but you are immediately turning towards solutions when Jesus is simply saying, come to me. Have you done that yet? And it was such a, like, a, a light bulb moment for me to realize that's the simple power of what Jesus is saying when he says this is how you experience true rest. It's not in your strategies. It's not in all the different ways you might try to figure it out yourself. The true rest is me. And she said, you need to go to Jesus, period, Mic drop, end of discussion. No, she didn't say that, but that was the idea. And I realized I have been reading this passage all wrong. Because I'll, I'll give lip service to say, like, yes, God is there and I want to go to him. But it's very simple when Jesus says, come to me. I am the rest. And it shows me that this passage is actually simpler than maybe I've ever thought. And it's Jesus' way of saying, I am the answer. It's consistent with the things that Jesus says throughout his ministry and throughout his teaching. It's the thing that sets Jesus apart as a savior compared to all the different other systems of faith in our world. Like when we think about wisdom that comes from other like sacred texts and religions, it's always find the wisdom that's there and that will give you your answers. But what does Jesus say in John 14, 6? He doesn't say my teaching is the answer. He doesn't say like your, your religiosity is the answer. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so when it comes to what our deepest anxiety really should be about, the fact that without a savior, we are dead in our sins and we can't do anything to forgive ourselves, Jesus took that burden upon himself to show us that the only way to eternal life is to go through him and to go to him. And if we have been forgiven by him, which is something that only the savior of the world could possibly do, then that is why we can go to him and trust him when our lives become heavy. We try so many other things when Jesus is trying to show his audience to understand the kingdom of God. You have to come to me. You have to know the one true king. And so we'll get to some practical application of this in a moment because we might think, wow, if that sounds very simple, going to Jesus, well, what does that look like? And we'll, we'll get into that in a moment. But I think it means simply what it says. Go to Jesus. Are you aware that he is the answer? And so during that week of anxiety, all of my strategies, different medicine, different distractions, different rhythms of rest, there was a different solution that I've learned about in really powerful ways in my life that I had forgotten in that moment to simply go to Jesus. And when I woke up from that nap feeling worse than I had before when I laid down to go to sleep, after a couple hours, I realized 
I have not been talking to God in the way that I am able to because I am his beloved child. And that's what I can do in my moment of most anxiousness that I can come simply come to him. And we get to remember the blessedness of our relationship with God and how that, really, that, how that gives us rest in our most anxious moments. In verse 29 then, Jesus says this, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What does it mean to take his yoke? We were discussing this as we were reading through this passage in our prayer, prayer meeting this morning. And as uh, I like to joke with people that I was born on and grew up on a farm until I was two years old, which is true. I just don't remember any of it. Um, being born up in Napa, California, and my parents living in a small guest house on a farm um, and then commuting into town for work. Um, but I don't know anything about farming. And I was thankful for our sister Abau, who actually like saw what a yoke is like um, uh, growing up in China. And so um, if you don't know what a yoke is, it's a wooden instrument to yoke or to like join together multiple oxen or cattle or animals, um, especially when they might be uh, pulling some kind of wagon or plowing a field. And so it's that they can be pointed in the right direction. And so... It's really fascinating why Jesus would use this, uh, why Jesus would be using this term. Now, for people in his specific context, in an agrarian society, it makes sense that he would be using a farming analogy. And even if you were born and raised in the city, like basically, I mean, I was born out in the countryside, but I'm basically city raised, so I don't understand any of this. I think the logic of it is something we can still make sense of even if you've never been on a farm, even if you've never seen an ox, or even if you've never thought about what it's like to plow a field. I think perhaps the biggest problem that we face in our anxieties is that we often think we are pulling our own weight without the help of someone else to bear our burdens. But the image of the yoke is to help us remember that we are not alone as life becomes heavy. Imagine what it's like if you don't know what a yoke like literally looks like. I mean, imagine two oxen side by side and um, like a wooden thing that like is like screwed together or nailed together or tied together to keep them like pulling like a cart or a wagon but going in the straight direction. And so what you would see is if there's just two oxen that are yoked together, you would see them side by side and you would see their heads kind of like uh, fastened to this yoke so they can pull the wagon in one direction. Now imagine if in one of those like holes where the head goes, instead of an ox, there's your face right there. And then imagine like next to it, you might think, oh, who could I best help to, or who could I best have to like help pull this cart in the right direction? And imagine if Jesus's face is right there with you. That's what it means to be yoked together and that his yoke is easy, his burden is light. It doesn't mean that it's any, like just that it, the problem goes away, but it means that Jesus is with you and he wants to give you rest. And he wants to walk alongside you and help you through whatever is heavy. Now, if you don't know Jesus, perhaps this just seems like a weird thought ex experiment or something, or it doesn't do anything for you. But if you can imagine that Jesus is yoked together with you to help you in your moments of heaviness, if you know who Jesus is, it is the answer 
It is the most comforting thing that we can experience. And I think that gives us some insight into what it means that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It is not that it means that going to, going to God with all of our heaviness will make everything perfectly easy, but it means that he will be with you in your burdens to show you how you can face them with the help and the presence of the God of the universe. And that's why this is such good news, that we can simply go to Jesus when our lives become heavy. If we are carrying a yoke all by ourselves, of course it is heavy. Of course it is burdensome. But when we remember that Jesus is in it with us, then we can find relief. So what does this look like practically? Uh, we'll get to how we might be able to uh, apply this um, in a couple ways. Um, but in the last couple weeks, we had two uh, speakers outside of the norm that were just such a blessing two weeks ago. We got to hear from uh, Ken, one of our elders. It was his first in-person sermon. I was tremendously blessed um, by hearing him preach through the book of Daniel, the first chapter of Daniel. And he talked about what life is like in the challenges he faces in the workplace but how that can all be different because he knows that God is with him. And when I talk to Ken and when I hear about the challenges he faces at work, I have no idea how I would ever be able to handle those things. And I bet if you asked him, he probably has no idea how he's able to handle those things other than to say he's been able to experience that God is with him. Uh, last week, my great friend and roommate, Daniel Lowe, came and shared with us the story of David and Goliath. And how the context of that passage shows us that when there are giants in our lives where we feel like we have no uh, possible chance um, to overcome the giant that is uh, just kind of uh, uh, weighing us down, he really showed us how there wasn't a moment that David felt overwhelmed. Why? Because David knew that God was with him. And so when I think about what we've learned from God's word in these last couple of weeks, and when we take this morning's passage and we kind of just are able to see uh, just how this is true, that God wants to be with us in our moments of heaviness, some of the practicalities uh, are, I think are very helpful for us. If you, like I was in the last couple of weeks, have moments where you are overcome with anxiety, you can know that God is with you. In the moments where we might feel most tempted by things that we are addicted to or things that, uh, that we know are harmful for us, but challenges that we face where we're not quite sure how to overcome, do you know that God wants to be yoked with you and wants to help you in those moments? When we might be filled with despair and we're just experiencing a uh, just a, a rush of negative thoughts, that is why we can take Paul's word seriously, uh, as we saw a couple weeks ago, where we want to see whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is true, whatever is trustworthy. We can think about these things. Why? Because the presence of God can direct us back to them. And these are some ways of what it looks like to go to Jesus. And so just to think about how we might be able to apply this. Uh, I've, just a couple encouragements. These are not the only ways to think about it. But before we employ any other strategy, before we do anything else, pause and consider what it means to go to Jesus, just as this passage encourages us to do. And there's a couple, there's a couple of, of uh, practical things that I think we can do um, that kind of stem from all of the different messages we've been seeing. But the importance of pausing and remembering that God is with us, we cannot 
understate how, or we cannot overstate how important that is in our lives. If we're in the heat of an argument with someone that we care about and we know it's challenging, do you know that you can pause and experience God's presence before you say whatever our human flesh might lead us to say in that moment? In a moment where we might feel super tempted by something that we know that is not good for us, do we know that we can pause and ask for God's presence to guide us in those moments? I believe these are simple ways that it looks like, what it looks like to go to Jesus and not just to our own strategies. And so I think in the, the first thing I've got written down here on this slide, that's, the, that's one thing. What does it mean uh, to pray personally? Just to acknowledge God's presence. Now, practically speaking, when I think of what Ken has shared with me from just experiencing God's presence in his workplace, I'm sure there hasn't been a meeting where he just like pauses and starts audibly praying in front of like all his coworkers. That's not like, I think, practical or what it looks like. It'd be pretty cool if it was. I mean, I would, I would love to see what that would look like. But there are many ways where we can pause and just say, God, I'm struggling right now. I'm anxious right now. Will you be with me in this moment? And I think that's an incredibly practical application of what it looks like to go to Jesus in our moments of anxiety. We can also look for his answers by finding them in God's word. Many things that we are anxious about, God has given us answers. We just need to know where to look. And that's the blessing of, of studying God's word and understanding what it says um, to be able to equip us. Um, in this passage, uh, Jesus after saying, come to me, and after saying, take my yoke, the last thing, the last imperative that he gives is he says, will you learn from me? And there is so much wisdom that God has given us through his word. If you're not familiar with the Bible, if you have a question about the Bible to see, how could this shed some light into my, into my, my anxieties and my heaviness? Talk to someone you know who knows God's word, who could point you in that direction and meditate upon it and see how that might be giving us answers. And if we're having trouble doing that, that's where the power of intercessory prayer can really help us. Where if we have trouble going to the Lord, because it's not like something that's normal for us, it's not something that we're used to doing, that is where there is so much blessing in the body of Christ, in going towards others who might be able to point us back to Jesus. And these are just three simple ways of what it might look like to go to him. They're far from the only ways but some things that we might be able to try to live this out, to experience what it means to go to Jesus, to see the power of what it means when Jesus says, come to me. Don't go to all these other things. Don't go to all these other solutions. Come to me, the savior of the world. So are you heavy laden this morning? This is where all of us need Jesus. And not just in a meme kind of way, but because he is the one that can walk with us to help shoulder the burden of our heaviness. And when we go to him, we can experience the rest that he wants to give us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. I thank you for just the ways that, um, God, we can learn from the teachings of your son, Jesus Christ, as he was trying to show people what the kingdom of God is really like. And Lord, I know for myself in the moments where I experience the most anxiety and when I find it just uh, very heavy and not being able to be relieved, God, I can take a step back and realize the challenge or the reason why 
I cannot relieve the anxious feelings, the heaviness many times, is because I'm coming at it from an earthly focused way of life. God, would you help me, would you help all of us in this room to experience the power of what it is like to come to you? Not to all these other things, all these other strategies that we can come up with, but to experience the power of coming before you and experiencing your love, your grace, your forgiveness, but also your guidance. And Lord, I know that as we do so, God, that we would be able to experience what it means that your yoke is easy, that your burden is light. God, I confess that though I have experienced the power of what it is like to come to you with my anxieties, that I continue to forget over and over, that I continue to employ strategies of my own devices, of my own thinking, of this world's wisdom. But God, I pray that you would forgive me for going my own way. And Lord, realizing that I can bring my heaviness towards you. Lay it at your feet and experience the rest that you want to give. And Lord, I know that is true for all of us. When we come to you and lay our burdens at your feet, that you will give us rest. And Lord, I pray that that is something we will all experience. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.